Hello and welcome to this Farm Advisory Service podcast. My name is Daniel Stout, I'm from SCC Consulting, and today I am joined by Professor Laura Green, OBE, who is PVC and Head of College of Life and Environmental Sciences at Birmingham University. Today we're going to discuss lameness in sheep, a topic many of us are hugely passionate about as it has such a significant impact on animal welfare, flock productivity and profitability. Throughout her career, Laura has been involved in a great deal of exciting and hugely influential work on lameness, so we couldn't have someone better suited today to discuss with. Hi Laura, how are you doing? Hello Dan, nice to hear from you. Yeah, you too, thanks for thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure um, to be here. It is, it's great, thank you. Um, foot rot and interdigital dermatitis, better known as scald. Um, I'm sure anyone who's listening is probably more than familiar with them and they're probably the bane of their lives. But what are these diseases and what is causing them? So food rot and digital dermatitis, um, which is a bit of a mouthful, so I think we'll probably stick to scald, are actually two presentations of the, the same disease. So they have the same bacteria that causes them. Uh, it's a bacteria called Dicylobacter nodosus. Uh, I don't think anyone needs to know that that's what its name is, but it's, it's useful for us when we're doing our research. So what we see in interdigital dermatitis is um, uh, damage to the skin between the two toes of the foot of a sheep. Typically, it it can look either slightly red or slightly grey and a a bit like a burn, a bit like an abrasion or if you graze your knee, that sort of um, look to it. Uh, And it has a very pungent smell. That condition can get worse. And that's when we see foot rot, which is when we start to see the horn separating away from the the underlying tissue of the foot it that separation is caused by inflammation so there's a swelling of the skin under the the horn uh, and the horn moves away so so those two conditions um often we see scald in lambs more frequently than we see foot rot in lambs and we see both conditions in ewes and as i say caused by this this one bacteria so they're all part of the same process and our best approach is to manage them together yeah, absolutely. I remember thinking back to my college days, we were always taught that there was a second bacteria involved. What was the score there? That's right. Um, there's probably many more than one. There's been a focus on a bacteria called Fusobacterium necrophorum. And in days gone by, it was thought that that was the cause of scald, but we now know that it isn't. It is a bacteria that's carried in the gut of some sheep, and it particularly likes to grow on feet once you've got foot rot. So where we find that bacteria is after a sheep's got foot rot, Fusobacterium gets into the foot and um, probably makes the whole thing worse. Yeah. But we also know these days, um, many people are now aware of microbiomes, you know, your gut microbiome mm-hmm. and the idea of taking yogurt and so on. Um, well, there's a microbiome on the skin, which will be more than 20 species of bacteria. And so, of course, if you damage the skin, those bacteria start to behave differently. So there's probably many different bacteria involved in foot rot once we see the disease occurring, but it's the dicylobacter that's starting the whole process. Right, okay. And where does that bacteria survive? Well, remarkably, it only survives on sheep okay. and it only survives on the diseased feet of sheep. Mm-hmm. So if we could take away every single foot with even the minutest foot rot lesion from a, from a flock, we could get that rid of that bacteria. So it is, it's what's called an obligate pathogen. So it's only on the feet of sheep. So how does it pass from one sheep to the other? Very close contact or can it survive for a, an amount of time on the grass? So it can survive for a small amount of time on pasture or bedding. 
Yeah. Um, we think that time, or we know that time is longer when the pasture or the bedding is damp, yeah. which of course um, in the UK is fairly frequent. Um, but, but probably we're talking about um, hours to days. We're certainly not talking about any prolonged period of time. And the, the bacteria can't multiply away from the sheep. So, you know, once it's on the ground, it's either going to spread to another sheep or die. So pasture is not infected for very long at all. So, you know, we, we talked about routine movement of sheep to try and minimise transmission. And it's a very good approach. Uh, and a pasture only needs to be free from sheep for probably one to two weeks. Uh, and there won't be any of the dicelobacters left on the pasture. There you go. Yeah, it's not really interesting, is it? Because a lot of people are moving towards sort of rotational systems where, you know, you might have four or eight fields, but the premise would be that you graze it for three days to a week, but then well, that, yeah. three weeks rest after that. You know, from what you're saying, that actually should break the cycle. That'd be absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So, you know, if if as you were moving the sheep, they you, you caught, inspected and treated everyone that you saw with foot rot or ID, um, scald, and move them straight to the next field it would be a really good way of, yeah. of keeping foot rot under control yeah just having these strict protocols isn't it of actively treating the treating the feet absolutely i um you know as, as a phd student i spent a lot of time with three sheep farmers um i was there every week on their farms throughout the whole year my my message about sheep farming is it's about organization you know and you can see the farmers that are able to do things when they want to do them and plan them and get them done um, things go smoothly so I think sheep farming is very hard work and it, and you need a lot of organization and planning yeah no definitely I think one of the one of the things I was most keen to talk to you about was some of your studies well obviously related to foot rot but also related to foot trimming in particular um I've got one stat here that you found that foot trimming is actually contributing to 42 percent of the prevalence of lameness in some flocks can you elaborate on that please yeah that's right so for a very long time in the research we did, we found that the more farmers were practicing routine foot trimming, so the, the, the greater the number of times that was done each year, the higher the level of lameness in the flock that the farmers were reporting, and that those flocks where farmers had stopped routine foot trimming had lower levels of lameness. And it was, it, it was debated for some time, you know, and there was some suggestion that maybe the farmers that were doing more trimming were doing so because they had more lameness. But we've done some work recently, which I think has helped to understand what's going on. And it is that the routine trimming is causing the lameness. And what we see is when farmers trim and they cause the feet to bleed. And let's face it, if you're doing this quickly, which most farmers are because it's yep. a, a back breaking and time consuming job. Um, you know, you're, even if you don't mean to, you're likely to damage and cause a few of the, the sheep to bleed. Um, and so what, what we see in flocks that are still doing that is that um, a third or a bit more, 42% on average of the lameness in that flock is because of the foot trimming. So if you stop trimming, you save a lot of time, your yeah. back stops hurting, um, and you will not make any difference to the level of lameness that you've got caused by other things, particularly foot rot, uh, so long as you're, of course, treating the foot rot. Um, it, it's not a message to say stop doing anything. But absolutely um, stop the routine trimming. Yeah, no, definitely. So there's two ways of looking at foot trimming, isn't there? There's the, the routine trimming, yeah. where you're, you're doing absolutely everything. What about foot trimming in terms of um, a treatment yeah. option? So <laughs> again, um, turns out that it's bad news. Uh, so we did a trial a while ago where we had um, we took 
sheep of the same age, young sheep, just um, they were sort of um, before they were pregnant with their first lamb. Mm -hmm. And we did various treatment controls. One group had an antibiotic injection and a foot spray. And another group had a foot trim and a foot spray, which was a, a treatment that was recommended for many years. And then we, we monitored them for the next two weeks. Um, and we found that at five days, 70% of those that had an antibiotic and spray without trimming were um, better. And by 10 days, 95% plus were better. But when we looked at those that had, had a trim and a spray, we were down to somewhere around only 10% being better after 10 days. And even if we gave those ones an antibiotic injection, that only went to 30%. Wow. So actually the trimming was delaying recovery. And I think there is a reason that we can explain why that is. If you think about the routine trimming and drawing blood causing lameness, when you do um, a, a trim to a sheep that's lame, it's very easy to take quite a large amount of the horn capsule away. Um, and, and I think it's very understandable because it looks like it's dead. There's this smell. Quite often there's a grey scum. But that tissue is still alive and um, can rejoin the horn capsule. So if we can avoid damaging the horn capsule, you can get a rapid recovery because by giving the antibiotic, you kill the bacteria. But if you damage the horn capsule, that sheep has then got to wait for the horn to regrow. Um, and that takes um, a long time. So it's it's over two months to get about half an inch or uh, just under a centimetre of horn growth yeah. back. So you can see it would be a bit like um, us taking our shoes off and then being asked to walk around for two months before we put our shoes back on. And you think of the initial damage that would happen to your feet in that time. Yeah, that's a good analogy. It's um, it's really striking, isn't it? It's um... It really is, and um, it really should not be trimming. We're talking about here; we've already got foot rot, but you know, foot trimming in that scenario really shouldn't be practiced, should it? No, I mean, you know, there's a question about well, when would you foot trim? I, I think another study that we did, we looked at um, sheep on fairly soft ground, and um, so in the southwest, so it rains a fair bit, um, and we looked at these sheep for a year, and we looked and measured the the length of the wall horn compared mm -hmm. to the sole horn. And what you find is that when the pasture is wet, the wall horn gets quite long. So it, it um, protrudes over the sole horn. And I think in days gone by, we might have said, well, you should trim that back to make that just about level with the sole horn. Um, but what we find is that as soon as the pasture dries up a bit, that, that horn wears away. And so um, there's an, a natural relationship between the length of the horn and the, the type of ground that the sheep are on. Mm -hmm. And by and large, if, if it's pasture, they regulate their foot length. So they don't they don't need this trimming that we do. Um, and I mean, the other thing, if you think about it, is over a year, you've probably got about 10 centimetres or two inches of horn growth. Mm -hmm. There's no way we trim all of that away. So when we're trimming, we're just trimming whatever we happen to see at the time. So the only time I think that you might need to think about a cosmetic trim, if you like, mm -hmm. would be sheep that are going to show. And you might want their feet to look nice, in which case I would say be very careful and trim those feet with, with utmost care and know that what you're doing is making the feet look nice for the judge. Yep. Um, or maybe, uh, and I think this is very rare, if, if sheep are kept on concrete uh, and then their foot changes quite a lot, a bit like we see with dairy cows. But that, you know, the, the number of sheep kept in that situation in the UK is very low. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and that's always the thing, isn't it? A farmer see, particularly if they've had foot rot, because they've not probably put the foot down for a long time because it's so sore. 
it will be very overgrown. Yeah. But you're saying that will, if you get that treated, she'll then put the foot down and it'll, and wear, away herself. it'll, it'll wear away and, and self-regulate yeah. itself. Yeah, no, absolutely. 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 Going back to that sort of wet pasture, you also see that if they're housed for three or four months, you can get a kind of similar situation. It can That's be, right. Yes, you, you know, do. Yeah, at, yeah. At I remember... the point of lambing, they, you know, people want to then trim all the used feet before they go out, but it's going to do it themselves. It's just another time, constri- you know, yeah. another burden on yourself, really, isn't it? And potentially impacting them as well. Yeah, and, um, you know, I, w- I was brought up to trim feet. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if, if you're thinking, how can I stop? Then I think my key message would be don't look. Because I think you know, <laughs> once you've looked and if the clippers are anywhere nearby, it's just so tempting to say, I really do need to do something. I had um, I spoke to a Charolais pedigree farmer a few years ago and because they breed early and, and, and the ewes are indoors typically for quite a number of months. And we had exactly that conversation. And he, he just said to me, I just cannot turn them out with feet like that. Um, and then I met him a couple of years later and he said, I did it. And it, there was no problem at all um, and, and was convinced. I mean, the other thing I'd always say is, you know, you can always trim the feet. So uh, if, if you can take some courage and decide not to do it, you can always do it next week if you decide that it's not for you. But just have a go. See what happens if you, if you don't trim the feet. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, um, it's just, yeah, just for some farms, it'll be day, days a year spent doing foot trimming that's ho- wholly unnecessary, essentially. That's right. I think um, 500 sheep, we reckoned it's about a week's work. Um, all right, okay. <laughs> assuming you're doing an eight-hour day, which I know many farmers do more than that. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I suppose we're going to see a bit later on, but um, if we've got other kind of causes of lameness, if we're thinking about, say, shelly hoof or an abscess, in those scenarios, should we be foot trimming? So I think we, we've got much less evidence to understand um, what's going on. An abscess is clearly... Yeah caused by bacteria and so antibiotic treatment is appropriate to to cure that quite often um they've broken out at the top of a foot before you realize or oh, you've got a sheep that's hopping lame and it's a very very hot foot and and you know you know you compare it with the other foot and how hot it is and maybe you find some swelling so antibiotics generally will cure that it's always worth looking at in the sole to see if you can see a thorn or a, or a stone has gone in and um, there might be a track that, that you need to release to get that out. Yeah. But um, by and large, they will work their way out anyway. Shelly hoof is an interesting one. We see many, many sheep with shelly hoof that are not lame at all. And I would, again, you, know, you won't be looking for them if you're not routine trimming. Um, so the, the, the recommendation was where you've got this pocket of old horn, really, that, that's popped away and, and underneath you've just got some new horn forming or it just looks a bit grey and, and um, friable, is to trim away and, and it's sort of a typically a half moon shape. Yeah. We don't see any benefit of that. The only time I think the benefit would be is if it's if a sheep is lame, that that's got impacted and there are stones up there and, and an abscess has started to form, in which case I think you, you know, you'd, you'd want to clear that away and, and trim the horn back. But, you know, watch this space. I don't think there's been a trial yet to say that's the best thing to do. But it, it feels like the right thing to do to take away those what are called foreign bodies, you know, bits of stone or, or yeah. whatever. They certainly look like they should be coming out of there. I suppose that comes back to only consider doing that if they are lame in the first place. Absolutely. Yeah. Otherwise, you're, just, you're looking for looking for things to trim, aren't you? Yeah. So what then, I've got lame sheep. What is my 
best what's the best response what's my best treatment then so one thing is is timing it turns out that the time you treat i think is is the 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 best recommendation that we can make which is if you can check your sheep and treat them within three days of seeing them lame then you not only give the greatest benefit to that sheep but you also protect the rest of the flock so you reduce the spread and of course that means you've got fewer sheep that will become lame and so the job becomes easier it does need to be something that you keep on top of having spotted your lame sheep i would go don't worry how mild they are if they're if you can see they're lame they're lame turn them over and check what's going on typically it will be um id schooled that it might have turned to foot rot in a shorter time what we say for adult sheep then is to give them an injection of antibiotic into the muscle and to spray all four feet with um, a disinfectant or a topical antibiotic spray uh, as i said before no trimming what we're doing when we do that the antibiotic injection that you're giving the sheep gets to that deep-seated infection in the days when it was thought that we should trim it was to expose the bacteria to the air you can't you can't do that through trimming but what we can do through antibiotics is kill the bacteria and then the spray that you're putting on the foot i think is as much dampening down the infection that's going into the pasture and therefore you know creating the opportunity of spread to other sheep as it is to to treat the sheep but it does kill off the bacteria that are on the outside of the foot um, and as we said before not trimming Absolutely. with um with lambs Typically, if they've just got schooled, uh, a topical treatment without an injection, and that's that's partly around making sure we don't run into any issues around withdrawal and going for slaughter. But if if they've got foot rot, I, I think it's worth giving them an injection because they won't grow in the time that they've got foot rot. So it, it's best to get them recovered as quickly as possible from foot rot, um, so they then grow on um, for maturity. Yeah, and the, the cost of that antibiotic is going to be more than covered by regaining that lamb growth rate and weight. Yes, um, yes, it is. So um, the studies we've done, however you look at it, um, if you're using the antibiotics as I describe, the, the benefit you get from productivity, lamb growth rate, whether it's the ewe you're treating so that she's producing more milk so the lamb grows or the lamb themselves, it's somewhere between 4 and £15 pounds per lamb the benefit in a year which is primarily dependent on land price that that range um but but it's always the better thing to do now what is not a good idea is to wait every fortnight or three weeks gather them all together go through and then inject everything with foot rot because you will just use an awful lot of antibiotics um and in that three-week period when you're not doing any treatments the number of lame sheep will just grow up again so you know that there is both a prevention and a cure that, that we're looking for in this process. I mean, the last thing I should say is if you leave a sheep for more than a week untreated, they start to lose body condition and we see that their lambs don't grow as quickly. They're more likely to die. Um, I, I don't think you can stress too much how painful foot rot must be. And if you think yourself about if you had an irritation between your toes and you're walking around, how unpleasant that is, how quickly. And, and I... I often say, you know, if we leave them, it's a bit like us having chronic backache. It's it's a very, very unpleasant pain that they're, they're feeling. Yeah, no, absolutely. And going back to that kind of body condition score loss, it's not just at the time you then wean the U in a lower body condition score. Can you get a back up to condition at tupping? And it, it just impacts the whole production cycle in terms of fertility and absolutely growth um, rates and the ability to go through the winter. Yeah. And um, yeah. 
and, yeah, and many of farmers, many farmer have said to me, you know, well, two ways. It's it's the lame thin sheep at the back of the flock, but then the other way around. Once you get on top of lameness, you don't have the thin sheep. Um, so it it really can be a, a big impact on productivity to to let foot rot go, and because yeah. they don't die. <laughs> no, <laughs> which um is a bit of a it's a shame for the sheep i think if they died we'd take it more seriously but they are pretty miserable and unproductive no it must be pretty horrible for them yeah. one of the biggies is some kind of people thinking about it a bit more now but foot bathing foot bathing should mm. that what's your opinion on that should it be a routine thing is there a place for it so our evidence is that that as a routine I, d- I don't think it's of any use at all. And um, you know, going back to our microbiome that we were talking about earlier, it may well be that those sheep that aren't lame, you're um, killing off a nice microbiome that might be helping to protect them if they happen to step into a pot of Dicylobacter in the pasture. So I would say there's no evidence that routine foot bathing works at all. And actually, we're just analysing a study at the moment where we've looked at how sheep transmit foot rot to each other uh, and the role of the environment. And one of the things we've seen is these sheep were gathered and every time we've seen them gathered, the level of lameness goes up afterwards. So gathering, which of course you cannot foot bath without gathering, looks like it really isn't a good idea if we can avoid it. The one time I think probably foot bathing is useful is if, if we have one of those years where there's an epidemic of scald when the lambs are sort of four to six weeks of age or a bit bigger. Um, and um, the most efficient thing might be to put the whole flock through a foot bath to, to dampen down the amount of um, infection there is spreading between them and put them into a new field as you do it. So I think that, you know, that would be where I would put foot bathing. What, at what capacity can it actually treat foot raw? Is it really just skull that can kind of tackle? Yeah. It, it won't treat foot rot at all as as we've discussed before the um it's a disinfectant and so it will kill the surface bacteria but it won't kill the bacteria deep in the foot only really useful as scalds and certainly you couldn't think that it's going to treat the whole flock you'd still have to go through and find the ones with foot rot yeah or more advanced Um, in terms of the quite common thing i talk about the the two strike policy so the idea of if you've got a ewe she she is lame you treat her she becomes lame again um, the concept sort of culling her after that or having at least a, some sort of strike policy where you decide on the number of times they're lame, I will cull them. Yeah, so some sheep are more susceptible to foot rot than others. And it's one of those diseases that once they've had it once, they're more likely to have it again. So if, if it was random, then we would expect most sheep to get it once. But what we see is some sheep get it once, but then some sheep get it twice, three times, four times and so on. So some planned policy where, where you cull those sheep that repeatedly get foot rot is a good idea because they become a source of disease for other sheep in the flock. If you're a closed flock, then um, this policy actually will help because you're also moving the flock towards having fewer very susceptible sheep in the flock. But if, if you're open, although it can seem a very costly thing to do, then culling even young ewes that become lame two or three times in a season with foot rot is a good idea. Ultimately, those sheep, as I say, they'll become lame more and more often and they will be a source of infection for other sheep in the flock. Um, and the you know the cost benefit of culling them and replacing them is worthwhile. 
it's not that many sheep. People are often worried because they think mm-hmm. it's going to be 10% of the flock. I mean, right. usually it's, it's you know, one or 2% of the flock. Um, and of course, as you implement a better treatment plan, it becomes fewer sheep. So really recommend that that culling policy comes in. And in the studies we've done, we, we do, we've done quite a lot of studies with questionnaires and farmers tell us how they're managing their sheep and, and, and how much foot rot they've got. And those farmers that say they cull ewes once they're repeatedly lame with foot rot or permanently lame with foot rot have the highest level of, of lameness and foot rot. So it, it's really a good idea to have a plan and stick to it and make it a priority. Yeah, no, 100%. I think it's, it's that small number of sheep that are bringing everyone else down in the flock. And as you say, it's an investment to remove these sheep. So we know it's a cost, but it's an investment. So we also need to be able to identify these animals. We could use EID. We've got all the kit. Um, but what what other options do we have? I think that's right. Um, and I, you know, there are pe- people farm sheep in different ways, and obviously there are different levels of investment that people can afford to or want to put in. Uh, I think if you can, then using EID is a, a really useful thing to do because it saves writing things down um, on bits of paper that that then get lost and so on. Recording one way or another is a really important thing to do if you're going to have a planned policy to remove sheep. So some sort of marker, and I I go for ideally a a permanent marker if you can do it. So if you use tags, put a tag in once you've treated a lame sheep or take a notch out of the ear tag so you know you've treated them. If you can't go to that, then um, a, a decent quality spray where you know it's going to last long enough for you to be able to re-recognise a sheep that, that you have treated before earlier in the season. Otherwise, you're just not going to know what's going on. No, that's the point, isn't it? You just you will have no idea who she is. And also that ability as well to then, even if you have them in a few days later, you can follow up and, and see the, how those ones are doing. You know, do they need yes. follow-up treatment? Um, yes. I think a big value on that front also would be that perhaps it's more difficult when they have lambs at foot, but without lambs at foot, separating those sheep off so that you've got a lame mob as such. There's a, there's a lot of benefits to that, isn't there? So I should have spoken about that really when we were talking about culling. Yes, so when the, the work that we've done, um, very few farmers often are able to, to say that they always separate out lame sheep, but it makes a difference, um, which tells us that those sheep, even when we've treated them, even when we've sprayed the feet, are still adding a little bit of infection to the environment. So if you can possibly pull them out and separate them, then do and as you said you know you can um, have uh, a group that have been lame and you get them better before putting them back into the the main flock that's a really good thing to do Um, and going back to the recording of course if if that's permanent and and over years you start to get a pattern then um, if you wanted to work with a vet or a consultant and you can show them this is what's been happening with lameness for me over the last two three years that's a really useful piece of data to be able to work out that the best approach to manage lameness for you. So, um, and it's not just um, lameness, we're going to talk about mastitis in another podcast, I think. But, you know, that that getting used to doing standard recording for sheep would be really helpful for us to, to get health programmes that are the most helpful for a farmer and for their flock. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. And if it has time periods as well assigned to that data recording, you can build so much of a picture of it when really where, where, where things are going wrong or where's the time points you can yeah absolutely intervene. and yeah. we've got farmers at the moment you know a lot of farmers will be now be weaned you know in the middle of august now is a prime opportunity now that they're weaned to be able to do this separation um of sheep 
out into you know out of lame sheep like yeah. sometimes it's tempting post weaning to kind of throw the ewes away and kind of ignore them for a couple of months but this is prime opportunity to get on top of lameness but also is. start managing ewes on body condition score as well pre-tupping yeah absolutely it is i mean it's it, um i i really appreciate that um you know from lambing right the way through to weaning is fairly full-on in terms of managing and and that idea that you can at last just turn the flock into a field and maybe pop back and check them um but not really want to get in amongst them is uh, fully understandable but as you say this is the time and of course um if we ever had a dry august it would be even better but to to go through and actually look at their feet separate out those with lesions from those that don't work on the ones with lesions if they don't get better you know it's time to cull them um, get their body condition sorted and then you can be going into the autumn with a really nice healthy flock um, body condition score sort of around three um, ready for uh, topping in the autumn um, and if you can take them through the winter like that minimizing the amount of lameness that you've got through that period and the, the less lameness you have uh, as they lamb clearly if, if they're lame when they lamb don't turn them out with the main group but I think that that risk that you get these big outbreaks of scald goes away because you're not putting out lame sheep in with um, young young lambs that you don't want to catch, and it gives you that a break in the infection cycle. Um, and and you know, I'm painting this rosy picture, but I really you know, I'm very very passionate about if we can stop things taking off, if we can really yeah. keep foot rot under control, we don't see these big flock problems. Yeah, no, absolutely. And a big a big part of, sort of the newest research about body condition is that concept actually you don't you try and maintain condition the whole winter. Yeah. So there's, there's a benefit to not losing condition. And we always talk about this in terms of nutrition, but actually foot rot or, or lameness in general is going to have a, a big part in that, in maintaining that body condition score. It is. Um, it is. And I, and I think we forget how much it costs. You know, if you're having to feed a sheep more to, to keep the body condition up, um, actually, what we don't know, it's an interesting question. I don't think we know with sheep that are lame. Are they eating more, but their metabolic rate's higher, so they don't put on condition? Yeah. Or are they not eating so much? I mean, if they're very lame, of course, they will change their behaviour in terms of standing and grazing and ruminating. Whichever way it is, it's very hard to keep condition on lame sheep. So, so treating them so that they're not lame and they're not in pain and they can maximise the benefit of nutrition offered is really important. Absolutely. And we spoke uh, a little while back about that separation uh, concept. And I thought you were mentioning then, but another key time point as well, which maybe maybe what many haven't thought about would be at lambing. So turning it, don't turn out a lame ewe with lambs into the the group of the same ewes, you know, put put them into a lame group then as well. It's um, absolutely having that structure there, isn't it? You have to have a park designated for that. So it's all about planning. Yes, and and I mean at housing as well. You know, if you yeah. if you're housing uh, again, house the lame sheep separately because bedding, well bedding works two ways. If you have a lot of bedding, which would be ideal, and you can keep feet dry, so you've got enough straw that it's dry all the time, you don't get foot rot. Um, it's absolutely remarkable to see. Um, but of course, many farmers are working with a dry bedded area, but the area where the sheep are feeding tends to either be wet or wet with wet bedding and that can become a real source of infection and transmission so um, housing lame sheep separate from non-lame sheep again as soon as you see a sheep lame in the group getting them out treating them putting them into the lame group really trying to minimize spread of of foot rot in housing Um, 
but but also trying to dry out that bedding um, and that's also important for other conditions such as mastitis and pneumonia and so on. Yeah so it's a high risk period. What about in terms of the sort of liming within the within the straw or disinfectant cell powders do you think they can have I think an impact? They might do I, I would say that would be a sort of if if you've got wet bedding and you can't do anything about it it's worth having a go at doing that so yeah. what lime does is it's very alkaline and so it will kill off bacteria. So bacteria tend to not like either strong acid or strong alkaline. Uh, of course, we can't put strong acid down because that would burn the, the sheep as well. So we can put more alkaline products down. But I would say it's not as good as if we could keep the area dry. Keep it dry in the first place. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What about vaccination as part of a foot rot control? Vaccine's interesting. So one of the things we know with vaccines generally is that vaccines are more effective for diseases where uh, an animal gets the disease once and never gets it again. So they mount a very strong immune response uh, and the vaccine makes that same immune response. Because we know with foot rot, they repeatedly get foot rot. Um, it's not really surprising that the vaccine is um, not fully effective. So it, it, it has a, a bit of a role to play. It does seem to vary between flocks. We have some farmers who say it works very well and others that say it, it doesn't. If we look at an average, um, our research suggests that it maybe reduces foot rot by about 20% in a flock. So that's an average, which may not be very helpful for an individual flock owner. So what, what I would say is you, you need to think about the cost effectiveness. So if, you, if you're managing foot rot and you've got it well under control, it's unlikely that the vaccine is something that you would want to do. But if you've got high levels of foot rot and you're at the part, start of a control programme, vaccination can help and it can help to dampen down the, the amount of treatments that you then need to do. So if a sheep gets foot rot and you're vaccinated, you still need to do the treatment, as we've described, mm -hmm. within three days, antibiotics and a spray. Um, but it, it ideally, in, in, when it works well, it, it will reduce the number of times you need to do that treatment in a flock. So it can be part of your portfolio of, of treatments. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's um, yeah, Some farms have found really good, or they certainly think it's a very effective means to do things. The other one I suppose would be that on the packet, it would tell you to do a booster every six months. So how long is it effective and, and when should we be using it for best effect? Yeah, so it, it does only last, we think, somewhere between four and six months. Um, I have to say a lot of this is data from the, um, the manufacturers there's, there's not a lot of scientific research being done on the vaccination recently um, but it would make sense you know that it's something that, that that does not last a whole year one recommendation is the the boost after six months another is if you go to using it once a year that you you, you treat the use at the time that they're most at risk or just before that period so um, if housing is the biggest risk period then you treat the ewes a month or so before housing. Um, if it's it's overlamming, then you would treat them later on in pregnancy to, to cover the lambing period. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a bit of a complex vaccine and you need to think about other vaccinations that you want to give at the same time or worming that you may be doing at the same time. So you do need to plan it it's, and uh, get it given to the sheep at a time when they're not having vaccines near a period um, and be careful about which wormers you're using uh, when you use it. What sort of gap then should you have between different vaccinations? So the recommendation is a month, a month either okay. side. Yeah. Um, and um, 
there are certain wormers which you're recommended not to vaccinate at all if you've used them. So it's the sort of thing right, to right. check with uh, your your vet or your farm um, outlet. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think quite a common time, probably because it's convenient, is to do them pre-tupping or around the autumn time. But yeah. if you're at a flock that's outdoors all year round and you only do it once, you're probably actually better off doing it at some point, probably pre, pre-lambing so that they're covered for the summer period, which is the high risk period. Absolutely. And I, I mean, hope, you know, that that's, we talked about records earlier, the records will mm-hmm. really help um, in understanding that. But you know, we're probably talking about those flocks that have got an average of 8% plus lameness where this is going to be helpful. Yeah. I think if you're around 5%, you're doing okay, but actually you're probably treating sheep about once a week. If you go mm-hmm. to that, that three days that we talked about, you can get the lameness levels down to 2% or below. Um, and and you won't need to vaccinate if you're able to do that. I think probably just before we wrap up, um, we're talking about lameness in general, not just foot rot. I think as well we're speaking about what we call cod, because I know you know firsthand, you know, on some farms it can be a really debilitating disease um, of the feet and cause huge lameness. But also one that seems very difficult to control or treat. Could you tell us a bit more about that, please? Somewhere between a third and a half of flocks now have cod. Uh, it's another bacterial disease, another infectious disease, certainly. It, it is different from foot rot. Anyone who's had it in their flock knows, but you know, when it first comes into a flock, more than 50% of sheep can become lame, really, really badly lame. The whole of the horn capsule can peel away, uh, and some of those sheep will never get better. They'll, they'll be culled with, with chronic foot lesions. Um, so it is, it's a pretty unpleasant disease. But so it, it comes into flocks on sheep, but it can come in with sheep that have no signs at all. That that seems to be the evidence that we see. And indeed, the outbreak can happen months after sheep have been brought in. So I, I think really careful purchasing. Buy, if you don't have cod in your flock, or even if you do, go and look at the flock that you're buying sheep from and make sure that they don't have it. Don't buy sheep that come from a, a flock with cod keeping them quarantined and separate for as long as you can. And that's well more than four weeks for cod. Yep. Um, I've heard of a farmer where they, they bought in a, a large group of um, gimmers and kept them separate right the way through to lambing. And I think they'd been in the farm four to six months and they had an outbreak of cod in that group. They'd not been with the other sheep when that outbreak happened. So really unpleasant disease. Yeah, It is on many flocks now and we do find that a lot of the recommendations for treatment for, for foot rot are effective for cod in that it is getting in there really quickly and treating very quickly that is, is the best thing to dampen down both the severity of the disease in that sheep and transmission. We've not talked about types of antibiotic very much. There is some feeling that maybe it's different antibiotics that are more effective for cod than for foot rot. Um, and again, you know, if to- farmers talking to their vets about which antibiotics to use for, for which is a good idea. And whereas with foot rot, one long acting treatment is usually sufficient. It may be for cod that um, a follow up dose is needed to get them recovered. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really terrible disease. Um, I suppose another, another benefit there of having a closed flock or at least, you know, very strong biosecurity. It really is. And, and I should say the same for foot rot, although we've just done a, a recent study and we managed to find three flocks in the whole of the, we, we talked to many, many 
experts who have access to lots of sheep flocks we found three in the end where we where there's no foot rot so nearly every flock has got foot rot that still doesn't mean that it's fine not to worry about foot rot and and farms where they um, do practice good biosecurity when they're buying in sheep they keep them separate for the month they make sure they treat any cases again have lower levels of, of foot rot and and that's probably around strain variation so I think we're all quite good at thinking about bacterial species now but I mean maybe COVID-19 helps us understand that you can have strains of the same bacteria that are different from the strains in your flock and so you can get more disease going through because you introduce a new strain so that biosecurity is really important for foot rot and CODD uh, and as you say the, the closed flock is is a really good model for trying to minimize that that together with having really good boundary fences is there 10 strains of foot rot? Well, there's a, there are 10 sera groups. Mm-hmm. There are probably many, many more strains. And does the vaccine cover all the strains? or, or the it, it covers all but one. Um, yeah. um, but probably part of the reason it's not that effective is uh, to try and get an immune response mounted to these nine different sera groups from one vaccine uh, is, is a challenge for the sheep immune system. Maybe one final question then, just in case people are kind of wondering they've got lameness in their flock, how do you differentiate cod from, from fruit rot? Not easily. Um, and, you know, we also, we describe foot rot as though um, it looks like one thing. And many, many farmers that we speak to say it looks so different. And it's really true, it does. And often, actually, when we have CODD, there'll be foot rot in there as well, as I said, because you know, right. most flocks have got foot rot. So the smell is probably there. The things that are more obvious for me with CODD is it tends to be a much bloodier lesion. If you catch it earlier, you see that the horn capsule is peeling away from the top outside of the foot, whereas typically for foot rot, um, we call it an underrunning. So the, the separation is coming from between the claws and the horn in, in that area and maybe the sole, um, whereas COD is coming down from the top. I think that's quite quite a tough decision to be making. But the real thing with CODD is if you've not if you've not had it before on your flock, what you will see is a lot of sheep lame very quickly. Uh, don't just think that's severe foot rot. It, it's probably CODD. Get someone in to help you make the diagnosis and get a plan. Yeah, absolutely. Work with your vet. Yeah. No, it's uh yep, thank you very much, Laura. It's been hugely informative. I will look forward to having you back on again for the next podcast about mastitis as well. Thank you very much indeed. Brilliant, thank you. Um I would like to just say a huge thank you to the many thousand of farms who've contributed to the research that we've done in, in foot rot over the years. Um many, many farmers have filled in questionnaires which help have helped us to understand so much more. You know, I'm talking today, but there's been a, a lot of researchers and scientists involved in the work that we've done. Um, and I guess the good things are we've at least halved the number of people who are trimming feet okay. and the level of lameness has gone down by about half across the country as well. So um, the work that we're doing is is making a difference. So um, but thank you both to farmers who filled in our questionnaires and who've responded to the feedback that we're giving and, and changed the way they're managing sheep. No, brilliant. And it has been, it's been hugely influential, the work that's been done. So, um, yep, thanks everyone who's been involved. Thank you very much. Thank you.